Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church. One church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. Give online in our mobile app or text the word giving to 59769. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. Say, speak to us tonight. Have your way. Can I just get us to worship God for 10 seconds right where we're at? In anticipation, God, we need to hear from you. Answer prayers, give direction, give clarity. We rebuke the enemy and say, God, have your way tonight. Speak to us. We lay down every burden. We cast down every care and say, speak tonight. Somebody say, speak, Lord. Say, I will hear and obey. Bible's up. Let's make our confession of faith. It's right there at the bottom of the screen. Let's go. I'm ready to hear. Then do your word, which I'm about to receive, which makes all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. So God, do what you do when you do how you do it, when you do it, because you do it so well. Speak to us. And I pray, God, that tonight we would have the grace to do what we learned last night. It's on us that we would do something after we hear something tonight that we would shift into action after we hear your word tonight, that we would be stirred. Somebody say, Lord, stir me up. I need you to say it like you need him to do it in the next 35 minutes. Say, Lord, stir me up. I pray that, Father, we'd walk out of here with a boldness to do what it is that you command us to do tonight. And for this, we give you glory. In Jesus' name, can I get you to release one more Shabbat? That's a shout in the house. That's a shout at your house online. Come on. Hallelujah. Let's go to work. All things are new. 
Who would know that this year, calendar year, this Gregorian calendar year we're in, 2020, that it was going to have what it had? I don't know about you, but this calendar year has literally made all things new. Everything about your life has changed in one way or the other. And I need you to hear me. All things are new, and God is ready to make history through you. Can I get you to lay your hands on yourself and say, God wants to make history through me? I want to get right into this. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 7, it says this. At that time, the seer, which means man of God, Hanani, which his name means grace and mercy, he came to King Asa of Judah and said to him, because you dependent on the king of Aram. Stop. In other words, the man of God comes to him and says, I need to speak to you because in you going through this, you change who you dependent on. In the midst of things being made new, you found something new to lean on. You found something new to depend on. And in the king's case, it was not the Lord. He says, because you depended, say dependent. He says, because you depended on the king of Aram and have not depended on the Lord. Now, let's look at this. The king of Aram, his name there, it means deceiver. Question, in these last 12 months of your year, have you found yourself depending on people that you later found to be deceptive? See, I wish you'd act like in these last 12 months that you were introduced to some people that you thought were for you and you found out were against you. That you thought had your back and you found out they actually had a knife in your back. That you thought were praying for you and they were really praying on you. That you thought they were trying to help you build when come to find out they were trying to set the foundation on fire. But I'm so glad that God revealed who they were to you in these last 12 because God didn't want you to waste one minute with them in the next 12. I need you to say Celebrate everybody that has exited your life in the last 12 months. I need you to celebrate every fake friend, every piece of fake love, every employee, every co-worker, everybody that exited. Open your mouth and say they had to go. Because you were depending upon somebody that was ended up being deceitful. He says, because you depended on the king of Aram, his name means deceiver, but secondly, his name means cursed. Watch. Sometimes when you are going through a battle, you can consult cursed people about how to be blessed. And you have to be careful that you are not asking people that will never, ever walk in what you're about to walk in how to get there. Because what they're going to do is have you to walk into a ditch. What do you mean, Bishop? You cannot talk to people who don't put God first about how to be a good Christian because they don't know what they're talking about anyhow. You don't ask somebody that has only had failure in their life how to have success because the moment they smell that you're going to try to do outdo them, they're going to try to shut you down. I need you to learn how to stop looking for co-signers and go on your own. He says, you consulted the king of Aram. His name means a deceiver, and he is somebody that is cursed. You have to be careful when you are consulting people that are cursed. What does that mean? They do not put God first. They're not trying to put God first. They don't want to put God first. Why in the ham and cheese would you ask somebody? Y'all like that book. Why would you ask somebody that is cursed how to be blessed? It's foolish. Why in the world, watch me, are you calling some of your cursed relatives, asking their opinion about what you're supposed to do when truth be told, as quiet as it's kept, they were hoping you'd fail because they told you this Jesus thing wasn't going to work in the first place. But in these next 12, you're getting ready to show them that they should have shut their mouths because if God be for you, I... I need you to just lay your hands on yourself and say, God is for me. I... 
And here's the deal. I've not been perfect, but what I have been is faithful. I've not done everything right, but what I have done has gotten right back up after I got knocked down. Here it is. I may not be where I want to be, but I so enough can thank God that I'm not where I used to be. He says, why did you depend on a cursed person? On somebody that's a deceiver and have not depended on the Lord. Watch this, your God. He said, you know better. He said, you've seen him get you through stuff that you never thought you were going to get through. He says, you know better. How dare you talk about you finna be Muslim? How dare you talk about you finna go consult the tarot card? How dare you talk about you're about to consult your horoscope? I tell you, your horoscope, this is the day that the Lord has made and I shall rejoice and be made glad in it. I don't need to consult somebody that talks to God. I can talk to him myself. He says, you have not depended on the Lord your God. Dependent there means lean. Y'all remember that old school church? We've come this far by faith. I just need you to lean. Lean. Some of y'all ain't leaning. That's why you're leaning. I need you to lean. Lean. God says, when you get tired, I need you to lean on me. And here's the problem. When you start getting successful, you lean on your success. You lean on your money. Watch me. You lean on your spouse. And you get frustrated when people that you're leaning on can't hold you up. That's because they were never created to hold your weight. They only have the grace to handle their weight. God says, I created uh, the relationship we have with the Lord for us to lean on him. When I lean on something, that means I'm tired. How many of us in the last 12 months have had some days where we just said, I'm tired? I, I, listen, listen, I, listen. Uh, they had a song, I think it was Brownstone, said five miles to empty. Look, some of us could say we wasn't five miles to empty. The light has been on for the last four months. I, and every day I've been getting up, quiet as this kept, it's been God that's been getting me up. Because the truth be told, when I got up, sometimes there was so much frustration, so much anxiety, so much going on, so much that I could not control to where getting up was a struggle. But I came to announce to everybody, your next 12. Everything you've sown in your last, you're about to reap in your next 12. I wish you acted like you ain't going to need no alarm clock in these next 12 months. Why? Purpose is going to get me up. I don't need no clock. When I open my eyes, God going to say, get up. We're about to go do this thing. Get up. We're about to break some curses. Get up. We're about to make some history. Get up. Lean. Then it means rely on. He says, because you did not rely on the Lord your God. He says, you relied on the banker. You relied on the drink. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. You relied on sexual healing. You, you relied on everything but the Lord. Rely. That means that's who I can count on. And some of, some of us, these last 12 months, God says, I needed to show you how much you count on them. And the only way I can show you not to do that is to make them fail you. For some of you, the people that failed you these last 12 months, it wasn't even them. Because when you ask them what happened, they can't even explain it. It's God making you see that you rely too much on people and not enough on God. I need you to know your next 12. Somebody say, this is on me and God. Listen, if you don't want to do it with me, bye, baby. If you ain't going to help, go with me, bye. Because I'm depending on two people these next 12, me and God. 
Then, then, then it means rest on. He says, because you didn't rest on. So what do you mean I didn't rest on? God says, you literally lost rest, lost sleep. Because you weren't resting on me. You were resting on your ability. And when you felt insecure about your ability, it made you lose sleep. How am I going to do this? How am I going to figure this out? How am I going to be the lunch lady and the cafeteria lady and the gym teacher and work my job and try to act like I'm doing customer service and not let the dog bark in the background while I'm at working at home? Y'all ain't talking to me. How am I going to make this $1,200, uh, this extra six hundred? How am I going to make this work? How am I going to do this? And God says, the reason you're not resting is because you didn't rest on me. You rested on your credit. You rested on American Express. You rested on Visa. You rested on, on, on everything else but me. And then here's this last phrase, a meaning for dependent. It means self. Interesting. He says, here's the real reason that you ran into some dramas, because the truth is you rested and depended on you. And the reason we need God is because sometimes even with all of you, that's not enough. See, for everybody under the sound of my voice where you're the strong one that everybody else depends on, sometimes you start believing that about you. And so sometimes you'll think, well, I'm all I need. I'm all I need. I'm all. And sometimes God has to show you even that's not enough. That's why I'm so glad that 2,000 years ago, God stepped in a body and died in my place. Why? So that I could have life and life more abundantly, which means the reason I don't have to just depend on me is because I got a God that fights for me. His name is Jehovah Sabor. That means the Lord that wars for me, the God that fights for me. He's the God of angel armies. So even when I don't have no fight left in me for me, God will stand up and... I need you to act like God is fighting for you tonight. I, I need you to act like he's beating down every enemy, beating back every obstacle, beating back every... Listen, I know you ran out of strength, but God says, let me step on the sea because I'm about to... Look, he, says, he says, because you have not leaned, relied on, rested on, thank you, but you've been in yourself. He says, you didn't lean on the Lord your God army of the king of Aram has escaped from you. He says the reason you lost that is because you didn't depend on me. He said it didn't have to be like this. He says but you stopped depending on God. Are y'all still here? In other words, in other words, look at verse 8. He says, were not the Cushites and Libyans a vast army with many chariots and horsemen? What does that mean? He says, you faced a bigger obstacle before. Many chariots. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Many horsemen. And what does it say? And when you depended on the Lord, he handed them over to you. In essence, here's what the prophet says to him. You stopped doing what worked. Can we all be honest that over these last 12 months, there's some things that we knew worked because we saw it work. You saw prayer work, but you ain't been on in four weeks. Mm. You saw sewing work, but now you're selfish. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. You saw that serving worked, and now you're on in a sabbatical. What is it? He says, 
verse 9, for the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. Can I just break this verse down for a moment? Look, verse 9, for the eyes of the Lord, look at me, eyes of the Lord in Hebrew means what it says on the screen, the affliction of the Lord. You missed it. In other words, God says, how you handle your affliction decides if you become a history maker. Mm-mm, I'm back to hang up because you missed it. God says, when I say I'm roaming the earth and my eyes go to and fro, what I'm really saying is affliction is going to and fro. And how you handle that determines whether or not you become a history maker. Can I submit to some of you? There's some tests you failed in the last 12 that you're not going to fail in the next 12. There's some stuff that got you tripping in the last 12 that you are not going to trip over in these next 12. There's some okey-doke you fell for in the last 12 that let it try you this next 12. You're going to see crazy coming and cross the street. This is for the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong. In other words, God's like, I want to do something. You ever had a friend where they were always down to do anything? Like you could call up at 930 and say, let's go to the mountains. It's pitch black. No street lights. And they talk about, I'll be there in five minutes. Your next twelve, you're going to have some ride or dies. I promise you that. Open your mouth and declare this. Say, Father, in my next 12 months, I received some ride or die people in my circle. You didn't have enough sorry suckers around you. You need some people that if you call them in the midnight, they'll be right there. If, if you need to pray, they'll call you and say, you were on my mind. I, you didn't even have to tell me something was wrong. I could sense something was wrong when we were talking. Your text message didn't seem normal, so I started... People that you can call at 1.30 in the morning, they ain't going to give them no attitude. They're going to answer the phone and say, what's wrong? Is something going down? Because let me know. I got my tennis shoes on. I'll be there in a minute. It's about to go down. Huh? Because for some of you, you've had too many people in your circle that they are leeches. They leech off of your strength, leech off of your prayer. You need some people that's going to back you up this next one. So look, he says, the Lord, the Lord is like that. The Lord is like, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Let's go. That's how God is. That's how God is. God is like that all day, 24-7. He's like, I'm ready to show myself strong. <laughs> and look, for those who are wholeheartedly, stop. That means not just for the bishops, not just for the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, not just for the people with titles and degrees. No, he says, this is open to anybody. See, there's some people that in the next 12, they're going to be apologizing to you because you didn't have none of that stuff, and so they disqualified you. But in the next 12, your fruit is going to outdo their title. Shut up. Your fruit is going to outdo their degree. Your fruit is going to out... Open your mouth and say, I'm about to be fruitful. I... He says, 
He says, for those who are wholeheartedly devoted. Let's, let's deal with this. Cause, cause, because, because he's telling this king, hey, king, you won some battles that were bigger than the battles you're facing now. He said, and when you won those battles, you, you were wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord. Then you started doing good and you got sloppy. You got married, you got sloppy. You had kids, you got sloppy. You had an entanglement and you got really sloppy. Y'all ain't gonna talk to me tonight. You finally got your business, now you're sloppy. You got a new car, now you're sloppy. Y'all don't be the type of person where God can't bless because you can't be trusted with one. Please open up your mouth and say, Lord, you can trust me with blessing. I So look, he says, the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. What does wholeheartedly devoted mean? It means this, consistent, stop right there. Let me back to Daniel. Consistent means I keep doing what works. And I don't try something else. Let me tell you something. I am, um, so, you know, I don't eat after six. And typically I have a meal and, and, a, and a smoothie, and that's my eating for the day. And so when people s make suggestions to me about you should try this, I'm like, look, if you don't know for real, for real that this is good, I don't have time to play with you. <laughs> because this is all I'm going to eat today. And I can't have no nasty meal. You can look at me with judgment all you want. I promise you, I ain't studying. So I will often go to the places that I can depend on to be consistent. Y'all missed it. I will go where I can depend on the quality of the food and the quality of the service to be consistent. Because if I'm only going to do this once today, I need this to count. Question, question, question. Are you consistent? Here's the right, here's the right line. To the right things. Because some people, watch me, we're consistent to being emotionally out of whack. Like everybody can count on you acting crazy around the 31st. Everybody can count on, watch me. You, you like the song, it's written all over your face. You don't have to say what. Everybody can count on you having an emotional outbreak. And then when you come back down to earth, you want everybody to come back and circle around you. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. But they know how I am. Well, listen, you need to grow up. I need you to lay your hands on yourself and say, Lord, grow me up in these next 12. Are we consistent in the right things? The right things. Look what the Bible says. Consistent to display, study, or discuss. So question, here's how you know what you're consistent in. What do you display? That's what you're consistent in. What do you study? For some of you, you know more about people on Instagram than the word. And I'm not judging you. I'm just saying they ain't got a blessing for you. They don't have miracle signs and wonders for you. They don't have a heaven or a hell to put you in. But let's just be honest. We live in a culture now where we know more about people on Instagram and TikTok. And you say, what's this scripture? Hold on. 
Did you see that dude on TikTok? Yeah, man, I saw that, I saw that. I'm not judging us, I'm just saying, what do you display? What do we study? Here's the next thing, what do we discuss? Your discussions reveal what you're consistent in. So if your discussion is always, you know what, so-and-so did me wrong, then what you're consistent in is being a victim. And that's not who you are, you are victor. You didn't hear what I just said. I know what they did to you, but can I let you in on a secret? Life isn't happening to you. Life is happening for you, which means even the worst thing that happened, it was happening for your good. Romans 8, 28, and we know God makes all things work together for good. So look, whatever we are consistent to display, to study, or discuss, then to give all or a large part of our time or resources to, uh-oh, to give all or a large part of our time or resources to. So then what are you consistent to? What gets your time? What gets your resources? You know what I never understood? I only experienced this in Denver. Is, is when a couple hours a week for God that has given you every day. I've only experienced this in Denver. To some people, it's a chore. And I never understood it because to me, see, when you're a user, to the pure, all things are pure. To the defiled, everything's defiled. What does that mean? So if you're not a user, you don't understand people that use people. Because to me, for God to be a chore after he's done everything for you, that sounds pretty much like you trying to pimp him out. Like, God, do all this for me. I ain't doing nothing for you, though. Lord, have my money on the 15th. In the last day of the month. But I ain't finna do nothing for you. Pray for an hour? Now lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I'm used to short prayers. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Say consistent. Look, so, so when we're consistent to the Lord, if you look at the verse, it says, um, a large part of our resources are time to him. Well, what does that mean? To what's important to him. If you're doing what you think is important to you and not what's important to him, then God says, well, you're not fully devoted to me. Does that make sense? Like somebody, if somebody's in a friendship or relationship to you and they say, you know, I just want you to know I did all this for Darlene. And you can say, well, I'm not Darlene, I'm Shirley. <laughs> And I got Darlene, Shirley, Jackie, and Tyrell. I'm going to introduce you to two more male characters later. Cleophas. I don't, I haven't decided on that one yet. I'm, I'm, pr I'm praying about it. I'm praying about it. All right? Look at the last part of this verse, and then we're moving. You've been foolish. Watch the line. In this matter. He said, King, you did a whole lot of good. But when it came to who you depended on, you've been foolish in that. Come on. He said, you worship in an amazing way. But when it comes to who you depended on, he says, you've been foolish in that. Look at the next part. Therefore, you will have wars from now on. I'm not taking you out of the seat, king. But while you sit in the seat, You'll never enjoy it. 
because every day will be filled not with battles but with warfare because you refuse to depend on the Lord and that may have been some of your last 12 okay but in these next 12 if we can read about King Asa of Judah doing it that means God wants to use it as a warning to us so that we do not repeat that same thing. So for those of us that say in this next 12 months, God, I am fully devoted to you, wholeheartedly devoted, not perfect, but you got all of me. Can I just get us to let him know with the worship go? God, we are wholeheartedly devoted to you. You get all of us. You get all of me. Come on, tell him, say you get all of me. You get my time, my talent, my treasure, my thirst, my testimony. You get my breathing. You get my living. You get my walking. You get my house. You get my car. You got my kids. You got my money. Everything that is me. Somebody say, God, you got all of me. You got all of me. Say it again. Say, God, you got all of me. Because, let me see that because if you're going to be a history maker, God says, I want to show myself strong through somebody. But I can only do that for somebody that I have all of. Because if I take you up and I don't have all of you, when you get up there, you're going to get arrogant and prideful, and you're going to think you got yourself there. I wish you acted like you knew some folk, that when they were here, they were spiritual, they prayed, they were nice, but the moment they got up here, all of a sudden, she became a battle axe. I wish you acted like you knew some people that the that the best version of them was when they were struggling. Now that it looks like they're doing well, come to church. Worship. And God is like, but when, but when you were fighting those other battles, the moment you walked into church, you were, The moment you walked in the room, nobody had to. Matter of fact, if they wasn't singing, you wasn't the same. You wasn't mad. You were like, look, I sing my own song. I got my own song because I'm not waiting on somebody to do for me what I can do. Say, Lord, you get all of me. So look, where are we at? So, so that's the first piece of this. We're going to make history because I'm going to teach you how. Right? First piece is he has to have all of you. And you know if he has all of you based on what you study, what you display, what you discuss. Now, somebody say, where am I at, Bishop? Well, here we are. The Bible, as you know, has four spring feasts, three fall feasts, totaling seven biblical feasts. Seven is the biblical number of shalom or completion. You ready? We have ended now the Day of Atonement, which is referred to as Yom Kippur. It's also known as the Day of Judgment for what you reap in the next 12 based on what you've sown in the last 12. And what have I taught you? If you teshuvah, that means to self-reflect and self-correct. Leviticus 23, 27, New American Standard. Part of the verse says, the day of atonement, it shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall humble yourselves. We already talked about this. That means fast and teshuvah, self-reflect and self-correct. And we've done this part, and if you haven't, do it tonight, and present an offering by fire to the Lord. Somebody say, that's done. That's done. So today, 
Today starts the Feast of Tabernacles. What is that, Bishop? It is when God's manifested presence, which is referred to in the scripture as his glory. Look at the screen. It dwells with us, not just in us. L let me see if I can help this make a little bit more sense. God says, I am not just going to be in you. At tabernacles, I'm going to manifest myself around you. And his glory is this Hebrew word kebab, which means his weight. <laughs> God says, I'm going to throw my weight around. I'm going to throw my influence around. You're going to walk in your house and feel something different. You're going to get in your car and feel something different. I'm not talking about his omnipresence that everybody gets. No, this is his manifested presence. In other words, God says this isn't for everybody. This is just for those that would be bold enough to honor the feast. And I need you on this Friday night, if you're in this building or if you're online, say, Lord, manifest yourself. You ever felt somebody walk in the room? You, you didn't see them. But you could feel something in the atmosphere shift because they walked into the room. When authority shows up, authority changes the atmosphere. And let me tell you this. The greatest gift that God could have ever given us is not gifts, talents, abilities, money. The greatest gift that God could have ever given us is himself. This is why many of you are outdoing people that had more than you when they started. Here it is, Zechariah 4 and 6. The angel told me to give Zerubbabel this message from the Lord. You will succeed. Somebody say, I will succeed. But look at the text. Not by military might by your own strength, but by what? By my spirit. In other words, on this next 12, what I need more than anything is God's glory to be with me because that's where my success is going to come from. It's not going to be because of how smart you are or because of how erudite you are as an individual. It is not going to be because of your scholastic achievements. It is going to be because when you walk into the room, God walked into the room. When you show up, God shows up. I need you to lift your hands and say, God, manifest yourself. The greatest gift that God could have ever given us is himself. He says, you're going to succeed, but it's not going to be by might. For those of you old King James Version users, not by might, nor by power, but by his spirit. You keep thinking, if I get my business owners, if I get the right marketing person, and God says, listen, I'll let you use the sloppiest one there is, but I'll breathe on it. In other words, for some of you, the hand you've been dealt, God knows it's not good because God says, I want you to see you can have a bad natural hand, but have my spirit. And when you got my spirit with you, even though they dealt you a bad natural hand, I will make you outdo everybody around you. I need you to get used to these next 12 months being the only one. Why? Because you're about to be in some circumstances and situations where you're the only one in the room that's going to have achieved and accomplished what you will. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. In the scripture, when God wanted to release his spirit, he did it on this day, the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, everybody with me? Now, now, now here's the trip about that. 
Um, well, Bishop, what happens when his spirit shows up? Am I just going to speak in tongues? Hey, Am I just going to feel goosebumps? Everybody look at me. The Holy Ghost is not a cold. You don't catch him. <laughs> What's going to happen? Am I going to start quickening? Whoa. Am I going to rock and shake? And shake and rock? Can I show you what happens and what's getting ready to happen for you? Can I show you? Can I show you? In John chapter 5, here it is. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. This feast is the feast of tabernacle. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. How do you know it's tabernacles? This just says the feast of the Jews. There was only three feasts that the males were required to go to Jerusalem for. Based on historical context, since Jesus has already celebrated a Passover and celebrates a Passover later, theologians surmise that this particular feast is the Feast of Tabernacles. And we can surmise that's accurate because we see something significant happen when Jesus shows up for a particular man. Somebody say, at this feast. Verse 2. Now there is in Jerusalem a sheep gate, a pool, by the sheep gate, a pool, an Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. Everybody say five. Five is the biblical number of grace. It's the biblical number of favor. It's the biblical number of when God adds his super to your natural. See, this next 12, it's not going to be because of any human you know. It's going to be because God knows you. You miss what I just said. You keep trying to get people to tag you on Facebook and tag you on Twitter and this, that, and the other and getting people to say this and say that. Can I tell you, in this next 12 months, I need you to open up your mouth and say, God knows me. I God knows me. So while you're trying to get to know people, God says, listen, what you need to do is get to know me. Because Here it is. He says, now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. Now, here's what's interesting about Bethesda. Is Bethesda simultaneously means disgrace and grace at the same time. Both of them. Why does it, how can it mean both things at the same time? Let's talk for a minute. Have you had moments in your life where you have felt super blessed? And then simultaneously, like super not blessed. I wish y'all would be honest with me. You ever had moments in your life where you felt like this is the greatest? And simultaneously felt like this is the worst? You ever felt like, God, you're taking me up and then simultaneously like, yeah, I don't. It's like a roller coaster. I just as fast as I went up, I went down. Let me tell you like this. You ever had a day where at the beginning of the day, you were on top of the world, and by the mid of that day, you were like, if you don't get me out of this day, Jesus. To the point to where you don't even want to fool with people. You're like, I just want to take a nap. I wish you'd be honest that there were some days you watched the phone ring and you look right at it and said, right now, I just can't be bothered with Where the honest people at in here? I will call them back. If it was important, they would have kept calling back to back. It ain't important. It's a grace and a disgrace at the same time. It's a grace and disgrace at the very same time. What makes it grace? Because every year, once a year, there was an angel that went there. 
and would stir up this water. And whoever got into the water experienced grace. Problem is, is it only happened once a year. And if you weren't the first one in it, then you didn't have to wait until the next year. Which means literally you had to live your life in anticipation for a day to come because that was the only time presence would manifest in order to bring healing to your situation. Could you imagine the torture? The torture of waiting? Because if you didn't get there before everybody else got down there, because listen, if, if you can't move good, you're at a disadvantage to somebody. All they do is they just got a respiratory issue. <laughs> See, if you crippled and, and, and can't move and all that, you, you, you are at a disadvantage. In other words, what makes it a disgrace is the people that are gathered there. Verse 3. In these lay a multitude, say a whole lot of people. Lot of people. Please listen carefully. Of invalids. But when I was studying this, the Holy Ghost, he said, son, just make it really simple. He says, there was a multitude of invalids. If you try to use a credit card and, and the information is invalid, that means it doesn't work. I need you to hear me. In your last 12, you saw a multitude of invalids. For those of you, like, why does he keep saying my last 12? Because I guess you don't know, we have already entered into a brand new spiritual year. It is the year 5781. What is he talking about? Go back, look at the messages. Can't get, don't have time to reteach it. Somebody say, my new is already now. We get a three-month head start before the actual calendar year changes in the natural, which means by the time December 31st gets here, you're going to be three months into your best 12 months ever. By the time the world is waiting on the ball to drop, you're going to say, God's already been dropping off. Amazing. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in my eyes. There lay a multitude. Say multitude. There's a multitude of invalids. <laughs> of people who are not validated. And unvalidated people always like to invalidate other people. You know the people who talk about successful people are unsuccessful ones. Always, before you get offended, check the source of the mess. Because if it's coming from an invalid, I don't know why you're tripping anyhow. Get you some validity before you come see me. And until then, have several seats. You sitting here mad because Jackie and them, Darlene and them, Cheryl and them don't like you. Cheryl, that's a new one. You ready? Look, 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 look. In these lay a multitude. Everybody, everybody check this out. The majority of people, please listen to me, will never make history because they choose to have access to grace but remain a disgrace. But you... <laughs> You are the curse breaker in your bloodline. You are the history maker in your bloodline. You're the line crosser in your bloodline. That's why you never ever, what did we learn last night? You were set apart. You never ever felt in, like you fit in with everybody else. Why? Because God says, I refuse to let you be part of the multitude of the invalids, of the invalids. I need you to stop trying to fight to be a part of what you sent to change. Shut up. He says, I got to quit. He says, he says, and these lay a multitude of invalids, a whole lot of them. 
whole lot of them. This is why sometimes it's difficult to be a history maker because you're surrounded by everything that is not what you're supposed to be. And you come to church and get a word and go back to invalids. You come to church and get a word and go back to work with a bunch of invalids. And sometimes it can be difficult, which is why the Lord would gather us even online during the Feast of Tabernacles to say, you're not by yourself. Mm. There's some other people that I've called to make some history, and you are not by yourself. Please open your mouth and just say this, I'm not by myself. I'm on your road, there's some other history makers. There's some people, you need to look at them now because this is the lowest you're ever going to see them. At home, you need to look around because there's some people, this is the lowest you're ever going to see them because these next 12, they're going all the way. In these lay a multitude of invalids. Here's what invalid means. Please listen. It means you focus on the handicap not the weakness itself. So the miracle that's needed is in the mind. Uh, all right, for the third time tonight, let me back the thing. To be an invalid, if you have New King James Version, it says a man with an infirmity. The issue is not his issue. The issue isn't his weakness. The issue is he's focused on the handicap that goes with the weakness. So he doesn't actually need his legs to be better. He needs his mind to be better. Because it's his mind that told him you can't work your legs. You, 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 you ain't, you ain't. See, for some of y'all, you keep saying, I need this to happen. And God says, that is not the issue. The issue is what you think about your issue. The problem you have is not your problem. It's what you think about it. Ooh, but I need you to act like tonight. God's about to do something in your mind. Somebody say, Lord, change my mind. Ch In these lay a multitude of invalids. Where you focus on the handicap. What's the handicap? What you can't do. Not the problem itself. So the miracle you need is in the mind. Because you let the fact that you couldn't lift your right arm make you stop lifting your left. You let the fact that you couldn't move your left foot make you stop moving your right foot. Listen, if I can't do nothing but this here, then baby, I'm going to make a move. And for some of y'all in these next 12, God says, I'm not going to fix it until you make a move with what you got. I'm not going to change anything until you make a move with what you got. I know you don't have the financing yet, but I need you to take the $500 you got now and do something with it. I know you don't have the relationship. I need you to act like you from Memphis. Say, I'm going to shake something, do something, move something. And you got to say it fast, just like I said it. South Memphis, come on. Say, I'm going to shake something, do something, move something. Y'all got it. Look. Look. The issue, the issue, man, isn't, it's not, it's not even your problem. Your problem, Atlanta. Your problem, Canada. Your problem, Dominican Republic, your problem, L.A., your problem is that you let what you can't do stop you from doing what you can do. So when the Lord says, son, I want you to still do the conference, I said, Lord, like, sir, we're in a pandemic. We have restrictions. 
We got masks. I can't recognize half the folk. All I see is eyes and nose and the top of the nose. <laughs> he says, son, don't let what you cannot do stop you from doing what you can do because I'm teaching you something. What I'm teaching you is that where your breakthrough's going to come is not going to look anything familiar. I can't recall a time where I wore a jogging suit on a Friday night of a conference. But he told me to do it, please, as a prophetic gesture. That what happens in your next 12 is not going to look like what you think it's supposed to look like. And if you're not careful, you'll overlook it because it don't look like what it like what you thought it was supposed to look like. So look at the verse. The verse says, the verse says, in these lay a multitude of invalids. And here's what they are. They're blind. They can't see. They can't see. It's dangerous to be surrounded by people who can't see. Because when people can't see, whenever you start telling them what you can see, it will create jealousy. See? They, excuse me, Joseph told his brothers what he could see, but they couldn't see. And because they couldn't see, they hated him for it. Can I help you with something? Some of y'all talk too much to people that can't help in the first place. You need to learn how to go to God and say, God, I can't tell nobody but you, but I know in my next 12, I'm going to see it happen. I can't confess this to nobody. I can't release this to nobody because I don't need nobody that can't see trying to shut me down. Open up your mouth and say, I can see clearly. And you sitting there talking about, I want to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. And they say, how are you going to do that? You ain't going to be able to do that. That's dumb. You would think it's dumb. You can't see, boo. You can't see. Why would I let you give me directions? And you can't see. Here's the second thing. Is, is, is they're lame. So not only do you have people that can't see, but then you have people who can't do. Many times, people have, watch me, they have great hearts. No skills. When you are skilled and you're around unskilled, it makes you dull. Because there's nobody around you to make you better because you're the best. This is why I need you to stop being mad at people that check you to get you better. Stop being mad at people that say, uh-uh, that's sloppy, you can do better than that. Uh-uh, I know there's greater in you, uh-uh, I know there's more than you. Uh-uh, I know that you can accomplish more. You need to give God glory for the people that don't tolerate your half-ass. I wish. I'm preaching the Bible, Deuteronomy 22.10. Thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass together. You need to be grateful for people that will say, you can do better, and I want it from you. As your leader tonight, I tell us in this building and online, we can do better. And in this next 12, we'll just do it. Somebody say, I'm about to do it. When you're surrounded by people that can't do, you get dull. 
When you're surrounded by people that don't care, you get dull. When you're surrounded by people that can't do, you get dull. So here's what you begin to say. Well, ain't nobody else doing it. So since ain't nobody else doing it, why do I need to do it? Here it is. Maybe it doesn't take all of that. Can I tell you, you are not average. You are not regular. There's nothing about you that's regular. Question, who can go through what you've been through and still be in your right mind? Who can go through what you've been through and still give God glory? Who can go through what you've been through and said, for God I live and for God I... Can we be honest? Some of us have been through pure D hell and we came out looking at ice cream cup. So the next time somebody tells you go to hell, you can say, I've already been there. Do they have any new rides? I, I beat that already. I'm ready for a new challenge. Look, it is. They're blind. They can't see. They're lame. They can't do. They're paralyzed. They can't move. So even when the angel does show up, they don't move. Even when opportunity does show up, they don't move. Oh, God, I heard this one. Even when they've been praying about Atlanta. I don't know who that one's for. Somebody said, I can't be blind. I can't be lame. I can't be paralyzed. Why do we get paralyzed? The paralysis of analysis. You trying to figure out what requires God. Like you trying to figure out what literally requires God's presence. Ark of the Covenant. The children of Israel one day, they said, we get ready to go up. And uh, we're about to take the land. The Lord says, I'm not going. You should have went yesterday when I said I want to go. I don't want to go today. Let that be a lesson for some of y'all. You need to answer when he calls because he might not call again. But I just heard the Lord say, he says, son, but announce to everybody in these next 12, everybody will be given a second chance for what they missed in the last 12. I need you to worship God for that right there. That word will not fall to the ground. That word will not fall to the ground. Whatever you missed in your last 12, somebody say, I got a second chance in my next 12. So watch, so this is where his presence would manifest. And, and, and the priest would carry the Ark of the Covenant and the high priest would lead it forward. Four priests, the high priest, five-fold ministry. Aaron, his four sons, five-fold ministry. They lead it. They carried his presence. So, so that's why those gifts are needed because they carry his presence. That's why those gifts are needed, because they bring in his presence. That's why the gifts are needed, because they usher in his presence. That's why we're activating and teaching those gifts that are connected to us. Why? Because we're going to carry his presence with us. Let's go. So look at the next verse. It says, there was one man who had been invalid, an invalid, for how long? 38 years. In other words, what does that mean? That's his norm. His norm is invalid. Every time he try to use his card, decline. He changed the zip code, decline. He changed the way to name it, decline. Every time he tries anything, he's declined. And he's not declined because of his situation. He's declined because of what he thinks about it. 
And what he thinks about it, please look at me, is reinforced by who's around him. So how can I ever break through if what I actually need to break through is you? I don't mean that literally, but you understand the principle. How can you actually break through if you literally every day are surrounded by blind, lame, you know lame people because they blame people. They never take responsibility for anything. It's always somebody else's fault. Whenever you find a blamer, you know you got somebody whose life is going to be lame. And paralyzed. They can't move. So look at the verse. For 38 years, we're almost done. It says he had been an invalid for 38 years. Somebody say that became his norm. Question, what's become your norm? Struggling being mad, having money, but still not being happy. Because money don't make you happy. Now, let me tell you, it don't make you sad either. But don't make you happy. Watch. What's become your norm? Because if you go make history, that means you have to change the norm. Verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew he'd been there a long time. that good seat up. You'll be all right. Y'all know he likes acting anyhow. <laughs> Give him a stage and a script. He's going to act. <laughs> so Jesus walks up. Come on, you're going to need the Lord. Come on. Come on, the Lord. Come on into the light. You see him lying there. He's comfortable. Because <laughs> this is his norm. And the problem with your norm is it's how you're comfortable. And you wonder why you can't make history. It's because you refuse to get uncomfortable. And if you refuse to get uncomfortable, you're never going to make history. So look at the verse. So somebody said, Lord, make me okay being uncomfortable. Like you have to get used to new people. Because the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed ain't going to be your crew next year. You're going to have some people show up in your life. You're used to giving to everybody. I need you to learn how to be a receiver because you're about to have some people that say, you know what? I don't want nothing from you. I want to be a blessing to you. And you're going to say, this is too good to be true. And God is going to say, what did you sow the last 12 for? You sowed in the last 12. I got you in these next 12. Open your mouth and say, God's got me in my next 12. So look, Jesus looks at him and says, he says, um, he says do you want to be healed? Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. Because we got to do this right. Move this. Get on the bed. Now, if your mattress look like this, I'm going to need you to go get some sheets tonight. I'm going to need you to go. I don't know if the store open, but I need you to go tonight. If you, if this how your mattress look, don't y'all look at me like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. You spreading towels over the bed. I need you. <laughs> don't y'all look at me. I got the Holy Ghost. It's laundry night. No, you said that you knew conference was this week. Move your pocketbook, honey. He's on his bed. Notice his bed doesn't fit him because the bed's for a baby. He 
His bed is his excuse because it's his comfort. He says, he says, the man knew he had been there for a long time. He says to him, do you want to be healed? Look, dude didn't even get up. And this is how some of you answer God. When his presence walks in the room, it's disrespectful to stay comfortable. When his presence hits the room, it's disrespectful to not lift your hands in worship. When his presence walks in, it's disrespectful not to give him glory. Why? A king has just entered into the room. And when a king enters into the room, everybody stands at attention. This sick man answered him. Sir, I ain't got nobody to put me in the pool. So what does he sound like? what he's around blind he can't see who's in front of him nobody in 38 years has ever asked him that and for many of you the question God is asking you in these two days are questions you've never been asked before what connected you to harvest is because you heard word you've never heard before Look, he says, I have no man to put me in the pool. So he's blind, but then watch me. He's lame. He's lame. Because he's blaming. Who's he blame? Nobody puts me in the pool. Nobody helped me. Nobody gave me anything. Nobody supported me. My mama didn't do for me like she did for that one. My daddy didn't do for me like he did for that one. Nobody helped me. Nobody supported me. Nobody was there for me. I didn't go to school. I didn't have an education. I had a baby. I dropped out. I did this. I was on drugs. I was this. I was that. And God says, shut up, please. Can I borrow a line from Joe Biden? Shut up, man. You mess around. And he says, I have no man to put me in the pool. He's blind, he's lame, and he's paralyzed. He don't want to move. To him, this is as good as life's going to get. What he didn't realize is when Jesus walked in, it was that tabernacle. Y'all going to catch it in a minute. What is tonight? The Feast of Tabernacles. I don't care how long you've been right there. You better hear me tonight. I don't care how long you've been right there. Here's the truth. Other areas you can be up. Some areas you can be down. But in your next 12, every area of your life is going to be. I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred. In other words, I am used to having to wait until the angel comes. So I'm tortured for 11 months and 29 days. Hoping and wishing. Any day now, any day now, any day now. And he doesn't even recognize that today. Let me talk to y'all because they missed it. Today. Okay, let me try over here. Today. If he did it for this man 2,000 years ago, he's about to do it for... Somebody holler today. He says, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm going down, stop. Wait a minute. While I'm going down, another steps down before me. Well, first, there was nobody put you in there. 
But what did we just learn? You can walk. Mm -mm, mm -mm, you missed it. You missed it. You missed it. What did we just learn? He says, nobody to put me in the pool. Pick him up. Can he carry you? You've been exercising, right? Can you get him? Let's get two of them, just in case. Okay, y'all pick him up. Don't show his ankles. Pick him up now. <laughs> I just said what he said. <laughs> Gotta have fun in church. Pick him up. So the angel comes. <laughs> stirs up the water. He says, I have no man to put me in the pool. But look at the second part. Put him down. Walk with me. But while I am going, somebody steps in front of me. And Wait a minute. I thought you needed people to pick you up. Y'all are not getting how simple this is. Do you see what the man's problem is? The man's problem is not with his circumstance. He didn't need nobody to put him in the pool. He can walk on his own. You missed it. You missed it. Call a rewind. Let me put that tape and rerun for you real quick. But I need this, and the doctor said I need this, and, and the lawyer said I need this, and they said I need this, and they said I need this, and this, that, and the other, and all this, and I need all this, and this is why I ain't done nothing yet, because I'm just waiting. I'm waiting, child. I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting on God. And it sounds spiritual. I'm waiting on God. I'm just seeing what the Lord going to do. I'm seeing what the Lord going to do. Just seeing how the Lord going to move. Seeing what the Lord going to do. I'm waiting on somebody to put me in the pool. But the truth is, you never needed anybody to put you in the pool. Because you said, while I'm walking down to the water, old dude gets in front of me. So here's the second problem with you, sir, is that you were punk at the wrong time. No offense. What do you mean punk at the wrong time? When it's time to fight, you don't fight. Because the moment, both of y'all get on stage, the moment you should have fought, see, your bed's always in the way. Move it. Come here, move your pocketbook. Come here. If dude getting in your way and you didn't been in this situation for 38 years, let me tell you what happens next. You missed it. Whatever's in my way, I will not be denied. Because I was denied in 2012, denied in 13. Denied in 14, denied in 15, denied in 16, denied in 17, denied in 18, denied in 19. But I need you to open your mouth, say, in my next 12, I will not be denied. Release the praise right there. So look, 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 look. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Y'all know I come with y'all preach just a little longer. So, sir, you don't actually get back on the bed. No, just put it right there. Just get on it. Sir, here's the real truth. You scared. Because you're going to have to leave lame, blind. Come here. Oh, you come here. You come here. Blind, lame. And paralyzed. And y'all been talking. 
Get around him. Get all the way around him. The breakthrough you need, sir, is through what you've been surrounded around. The devil ain't holding you. The devil ain't nowhere near you. You talking about the devil is that the devil ain't fooling with you. The only thing around you is lame, paralyzed, and blind. And who's going to be your friend if you ain't on your bed no more? How are you, who are you going to talk to? Who can I run to if you can't run to them? Which means for a moment, you're going to have to be okay being by yourself. I wish you'd lay your hands on yourself and say, I'm not afraid of you. I pray that you learn to enjoy your own company. I pray that you learn to enjoy being by yourself. I pray that you learn enjoying yourself. Take yourself to the movie. Take yourself out to eat. Take yourself, and even if you're married, learn to enjoy you. Because if you don't love you, you're going to be a deficit to somebody else. I pray you enjoy your own presence. You enjoy your own conversation. I pray somebody say, I enjoy myself. So look, look, I'm done. I'm done. Look. Verse 8. So Jesus says to him, and I'll be Jesus just for the illustration. Jesus says to him, get up! Uh-uh. Some of y'all are like, what are you about to say? I said it. Lay that down. Get it right this time. Jesus looks at him. Jesus sees lame, blind, paralyzed. Jesus doesn't address them because they are not to be addressed. They are to be ignored. And for some of you, it's not people, it's mentality. Your blind mentality, your lame mentality, your paralyzed mentality. You are not weak, baby, you strong. Look at what you've done with what you've had. You are not blind. Look at what you see. Because why are you at church unless you wanted stuff to improve? Why are you here unless you knew God could do greater? You are not lame. Because you say it, amen, when the word is all about you, me. Here's what Jesus says to him He's on his bed. Get up! Uh-uh, uh-uh. Lay back down. They're going to get it this third time. You're going to get it this third time. Because tonight, I came to tell you what God is saying to you for these next 12 months. God don't want to hear your excuse. He don't want to hear why you can't. He don't want to hear what ain't right. He don't want to hear what ain't good. Only thing God is saying to us in these next 12, get up! Get up! Get up! Get up! Get up! Look, he says, he says, get up. Holler, get up. I said, holler it. 
Rise from obscurity. Inactivity. <laughs> and ruins. He says, look, I need you to get up from obscurity. Where you like not being known. Where you like being in the background. There's nothing wrong with liking to work behind the scenes. But there is something wrong when your poor stops because you're used to being obscure. Your inactivity. He says, you ain't doing nothing. Talking. You about to do this. Fixing to do this. Getting ready to happen. God's about to do it. Get up. Get up from your ruins. What is he saying? Ruins mean something burned down. Something went through a hurricane. I'm scared, Bishop, because the last time I tried, I lost. I'm scared, Bishop. Can we have an honest conversation? I'm scared, Bishop, because what if it doesn't work? I'm scared because the last time I trusted somebody, they broke my heart. I'm scared because the last time I tried to make new friends, they turned out to be leeches. I'm scared. I am scared. So are you going to stay on your bed? Because here's the problem. It becomes a crib. Some of y'all leaving tonight, your faces, please listen to me. I'm about to go real apostolic, right? It's about to get real rough right through here. Your faces show your resistance. Because the concept of getting up to you is scary. Like, can I just be in my crib? with my bottle and my play toys and my applesauce. You've been on kitty food for too long. It's time for some meat anyhow. Shout, get up. Get up from your ruins. In other words, guys, like, try again. Try again. Well, I messed up. I messed up. Ask for forgiveness. Fix it. Fix it, fool! Fix it. Fix it. Fix it. Then he says, take up your bed. I thought you couldn't do none of this. I thought for 38 years you couldn't do none of this. I thought you couldn't do it. I thought you needed them to put you in the pool. I thought somebody kept getting in your way. All I did was say, get up. I never said be healed. Which means when you got up, you healed yourself. When you got up, you healed yourself. 
And for some of you, what's getting ready to manifest in your life is that God says when you obey the instruction to get up, healing's going to hit you. You're about to heal yourself. You're about to be your own breakthrough. You're about to be... Look. He says, take up your bed. Take up your bed doesn't mean this. Take up your bed in Greek means remove the bed. You don't need it no more. You don't need it no more. Because you ain't going back down there no more. You ain't going to use that excuse in your next 12. You ain't going to be a hermit in your next 12. You ain't going to not trust people in your next 12. No, don't even get down there because that's not where you're going. I took away your excuse. And for some of you, there's some stuff God snatched out of your life. Watch me. And some people that God snatched out of your life because they were your excuse. Here it is. I got to quit. He says, get up. Take up your bed and walk. Walk means make progress. It ain't perfect, but I'm making progress. Ain't everything I want to be, but it's better than it was yesterday. And if I got to turn and go this way, what me doing, what me doing, what me doing? Because I'm walking. Somebody said, I'm making progress. Yeah, you filled out the application. That's more progress than you made in years. You, you finally went to go look at a house. That's more progress than you made in years. You, you decided to forgive. You ain't said they name in 15 years since they hurt you, but you decided to go ahead and forgive. Somebody say, I'm making progress. Then it means maximize your opportunities. Every door that God opens for you, God says, you better work that thing. You better put all of you into it. Stop being sloppy because you don't think it's a big door. God says, if I open a small door, you better make opportunity. You better make progress with that opportunity. Lift your hands and say, God, I'll maximize my opportunities. Then it means walk around. What does that mean? I need you to walk around the blame. Don't let them stumble you this time. I need you to walk around the, per the paralyzed. I need you to walk around the blind. What does that mean? You used to stop me. You used to discourage me. Watch me. Some of you guys going to make you walk around them same family folk that used to stop you. And you're going to walk around them. And when you walk around them this time, you're going to be, look, I'm good. Why? I ain't got a bed to go back to. I don't have a bed to walk to. I don't have a bed to go back to. Somebody holler, I'm walking. Look, 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 look. Verse 9. And at once, the man was healed. After he got rid of his excuse, after he got up, and after he started to make progress. Look at me. There's certain physical healing that you will never see until you get up and walk. You think that they're not connected, but they are. You need to see yourself making progress. Come on. Somebody say, I'm walking. Somebody say, I'm walking. What you walking into? I'm walking into favor. What you walking? I just need you to move your feet in this building and online. I just need you to move your feet like you're walking. Hey, like you're walking. Come on. I need you to walk. I need you to walk. Some of y'all ain't moving. I need you to walk. Look, look, look. Look, look, look. 
Look, look, look. Look, look, look. look. Somebody say, Bishop, when did this happen? Go back to John 5, 1. When did it happen? When did it happen? Tabernacles. What is that? Jesus has walked into your situation and his instructions to everybody under the sound of my voice is to get up, walk. Well, I pray that today's life-giving message has spoken life into your life. I'm Bishop Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, and at this time, I want to extend an opportunity to you to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, 2,000 years ago, God stepped in a body. That body was called Jesus. That body got on a cross and died for our sins. Now, sins are things that we do that don't please God, and they ultimately don't please God because they ultimately are very harmful and dangerous to us. Not only did he die for our sins, he died so we could have life and life more abundantly. Here's what that means. That not only do we experience God's best, but that we can speak life into other people and use our lives to change the lives of other people. And today, if you need to become a Christian for the first time, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved or born again or become a Christian. All those phrases mean the same thing. And if today you were far from God, this is your opportunity to reconnect to God. I love him because uh, he's not the God of a second chance. The truth is, is we've all used our second chance already. He's the God of another chance. He offers us constant new beginnings and fresh starts to get things right for him. He gave his life for us so that we could give our lives for him. So today, if you need to become a Christian or recommit yourself to Jesus right there where you're at, I don't care where you're listening to this message, I want you to say this with me. Say, Father... In the name of Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Because of this belief and because of this confession, if this is my first time praying this, I am now a Christian. If I was far from you, I am reconnected to you. Great days are here for me. Today is the beginning of the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you are now a Christian. You're born again. You're saved from yourself. And if you were far from God, you're reconnected to God. And here's what I want you to do. Take out your mobile phone and text the word decision to the phone number 59769. And when you do, I'm going to send you a message right away that's going to show you how to make Christianity your lifestyle and not just a hobby. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. You are connected to me and connected to Harvest Church for a reason. It's because this is the place God wants to speak life into your life. This is the place God wants you to grow and become a strong Christian and, and serve and change the lives of other people. So stay connected, whether it's at a physical campus or a digital campus, stay connected to Harvest Church. Keep receiving this word and let it speak life into your life. Hope you have a phenomenal day. Hey, congratulations. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 